Greetings, children, and welcome to my chamber. My name is Rotherick Gastblood, and I'm your host of Tales from the Dark Chamber. This week, we have a great show for you. Tales to make your skin crawl. Each week, my chambermate and I read a scary tale that we found on the internet. Or perhaps left under some corpse. Either way, we think you're going to like it. And we're just dying for you to hear it. So sit right back, light a candle, and let's have a ghoul evening. <laughs> Oh, hey, Rothrick. Oh, wow. I just got through watching an old cult classic movie on Channel 6's Chiller Creeper Horror Marathon Show 2000. And now I know why I hate clowns. Woody, all you need for that is to look in a mirror. Eh? What do you mean by that? You know, looking at a clown. Droll, Rothrick. Very droll. Oh, I see someone knows how to use a dictionary. <sighs> yes, Rothrick, I do. But no, this movie creeps me out. Why is that? Well, no matter how funny clowns want to be, they're still simply creepy creatures. White-faced, wide, bloody red grin, oversized shoes, red noses, eyes that can induce nightmares for ages. You know. Oh, yes. It's a lovely picture, eh, Woody? What? How could you like something like that? Quite easily. I dated a young lady ghoul decades ago just like that. She was a vision of loveliness. Hasty white skin, eyes black as night, blood-red lipstick, and an infinite grin from ear to ear. Or at least I think that was lipstick. Not quite sure, but her mouth opened up quite wide. She didn't have oversized shoes, but the spikes on them, hmm, lovely. Yeah, I'm sure she was a vision. Yes, indeed. So, Woody, are we continuing our next installment of About Daniel tonight? Absolutely. So when we left Stan last, he was lamenting on a horrible prank he had pulled on his older brother Daniel. As we recall, Daniel was the town's golden child. Friendly, outgoing, popular, all that one sees as a success. Well, Stan, in an attempt to help someone, ruined Daniel's life forever, sending him into the abyss of drugs and despair. Tonight, we pick up from where Stan is in Mexico, and Stan is not alone in About Daniel, Part 2. Enjoy! About Daniel, Part 2. Bathim gave me a toothy grin. His rows of rotten teeth were sparkling with black slime, which was dripping out of the demon's mouth into the leather seat of the van. A decayed stench similar to that of a rotting corpse hung so dominantly in the air. The odor was so strong it was making my head spin. I heard a vibration from the glove compartment and I ignored it. Bethim coughed profusely and he didn't even bother to cover his mouth. Where are we going, dear? the demon asked. I was about to reply, but I stopped myself. I had no idea where I was headed. 
Ever since I drove off from Hector's hideout, I got onto a gravel road, which eventually gave way to what I assumed was the highway. For about two hours, I drove east on this road without even thinking of where exactly I was going. I mean, I knew I had to leave the country and go back to the USA, but I didn't have the slightest idea where the border was. On top of that, I wasn't sure how I was going to get through customs without a passport. It's then that I had my first regret of leaving behind my friends. There was another vibration from the van's glove box, which snapped me out of my thoughts. We have to get back to the USA, I replied as I rolled down my window. Why do you smell so goddamn bad? Hey, you spend thousands of years in hell, and let's see how you will smell. There was another vibration from the glove compartment. Pull over, the demon said. What? Why? Just pull over, Bethim screamed with enough force to shake the van. I did as he asked, and he climbed out of the van. He ran a few feet away from the van and began vomiting. He didn't throw up black slime as I expected. In fact, the liquid that came out of his mouth was dark red. I had seen too much of it in the past couple of days to know what it was. Blood. As the demon continued to cough and vomit on the prairie next to the highway, there was another vibration from the glove compartment. I swallowed hard, opened and reached into the glove box. I pulled out my phone and it notified me of what I already knew. Rebecca and Joseph have been calling and texting me continuously ever since I left. Questions. I bet they both had questions for me. Questions I wasn't ready to answer. Questions I wasn't sure I even wanted to answer. As I read through some of the messages, there was yet another call from Rebecca. I let it ring until it went to voicemail and my heart shriveled. I felt the pain I was causing her. I don't know what I was thinking, but I knew keeping her in the dark was making things worse. I was so angry with myself, I wanted to toss my phone out the window, but before I did, I saw there was a message that came in from Joseph. It was short and to the point. Rumi, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to kill that demon. Ribs is pissed. Ribs is Rebecca, by the way. She has communicated with every demon tracker in Mexico and the USA to find you and Bethim. She told them all that if you offer any resistance, you should be taken down with the demon. P.S. You wrote the roommate code. That was not cool. Great. Now I've been John Wicked, I thought as I threw my phone out of the window. Then I realized something. Bethim wasn't where I last saw him. Before I could panic, a voice spoke next to me. Drive, dear. I slightly jumped in my seat when I saw him now slouched in the passenger seat. You are rather jumpy, dear. You have got nothing to fear from me. You saved my life. I lunged at the demon and grabbed him by the collar. I brought his face merely inches from mine and said, You listen to me, you son of a bitch. I'm going to kill you one way or the other. You killed my parents and you're killing my best friend. I need you to tell me what you know about my brother, but first you have to get us out of here. What do you mean? Get out of the van? Have you tried the doors, dear? I threw two hard punches at the demon's nose and sputtered out my next words in pure rage. Out of the country, you moron! Rebecca has demon trackers hunting us down as we speak, so you have to teleport us back to the USA right now! The demon considered this for a moment as he looked up at the roof of the van. I yanked him by the collar and punched him in the nose again. Right now! Okay, okay, he said, breaking away from my grasp and stepping outside. I followed him outside of the van. 
He stood close to where I threw my phone. What are you doing? The demon stretched his arms wide. Getting us out of here, dear. You do understand. I don't have my full strength, right? And doing what you want me to do will have severe repercussions on your friend here. What does that mean? Ha 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 the demon laughed. It means he may die. My heart stopped. I desperately needed to get back to the U.S., but I wasn't sure I wanted to kill my friend to do it. The demon looked at me as I thought this through. I may be wrong, but he definitely needs to stop resisting me. Let me talk to him, I said. Bethim seemed not to like this judging by the grimace on his face. However, he hung his head low, and when he raised it again, the red signs on Craig's face were gone. I could see my friend's blue eyes flickering at me. His skin was still black with red cracks nearly on every part of his body. Craig, I said. When he spoke, his voice was low and scratchy. It was like he was dying with thirst. Stan, please help me, he said. I'm working on it, man. How do you feel? (coughs) He coughed so loudly that I thought he may retch out a lung. He then placed his hands on his knees as if he had just finished a marathon. I think I'm dying. I need to get to the hospital like yesterday, dude. You need to get this thing out of me. Just hang on. I need this demon's help to get us back home, and then I can get you to a hospital. For now, I'm going to need you to stop fighting him for a while and save your strength. Craig coughed loudly once more. Trust this demon? No, of course not. I just need a bit of information from him, and he is our only hope of leaving Mexico. As soon as I get what I need, I'm going to send his ass back to hell. For now, please stop resisting him. Craig stood straight up and coughed some more. (laughs) Fine, but be careful, Stan. He is very evil. He made me do things, terrible things. He made me... The tears filled up in Craig's eyes, and the coughing resumed. (coughs) I'm sorry about your parents, dude. I couldn't stop him. I tried, man. I did, but... By this point, tears had been cascading down his cheeks. It's okay, Craig. I know you tried. I don't blame you for anything. I will kill this demon. I promise, but for now... I need something from him. Do you understand? Craig nodded, and instantly his eyes were covered by Bathim's red symbols as before. That's better. We will be out of here in no time, Bathim said as he flexed his shoulders. He stretched open his arms again. I felt a slight breeze start to blow around us. It had been a warm morning until then, and I had a feeling the change of weather was due to the influence of my supernatural companion. The wind picked up, until a full-blown whirlwind surrounded us. Dust, stones, and uprooted weeds twirled around us at a staggering height. The clouds darkened and lightning flashed. I covered my eyes, and I could hear Bathim laughing during all this chaos. (laughs) For several minutes, we were in the middle of the whirlwind until it abruptly stopped. When the windstorm subsided, I tried to open my eyes. A few dust particles had managed to slip into my eyes, so I had to rub them vigorously before I could see. I was awestruck to notice that our surroundings had changed. We were now standing in the middle of a street, 
but not any street. We were standing in the street of my former apartment building. We were back in the USA. I was back in the city that I had come to call home. Something else that caught my attention was that it was now night. It was early morning in Mexico when Bathim started the whirlwind, but now we were standing under the light of the full moon. Then I noticed Bathim had fallen to the ground. I ran over to check if he was okay. In between coughs, he managed to communicate that he was fine, but very weak. Why did you bring us here? I don't want to stay here anymore, I complained to him. <coughs> you weren't specific about where exactly you wanted us to go, the coughing demon responded. Okay, fine. Did it take us a whole day to travel here because I'm sure it was morning just now in Mexico? I told you I'm not in my best health. If I was 100%, I would have gotten us here in seconds, dear. Fine. Let's get out of the open before I couldn't finish my sentence because a car came speeding down the desolate street. Well, I say it was a car, but the vehicle could have easily qualified as a child's toy. The small yellow bug was waist-high tall and about three feet wide. Its windows were tinted black and it had animal drawings all over it. The various drawings of giraffes, elephants, lions, and pandas appear to have been done by a child using blunt crayons. The car's headlights beamed brightly as it blitzed past us. It drove a few feet up the street and turned around to face us. This caused a twinge of uneasiness on the back of my neck. I pulled Bethim to his feet. The streetlights lining up the road began going off in pairs until the street was submerged in darkness. The tiny car's headlights remained fixated on us. Its right side door swung open and a clown stepped out. Then another, then another, then another until five clowns had emerged from the vehicle. This was strange for me for a couple of reasons. One, the clowns who got out of the car looked more fitted to be contestants of the biggest loser than anything else. Secondly, the car they had climbed out of could barely fit a single toddler, let alone five whale-sized clowns. The clowns lined up horizontally in front of the car. All the clowns wore a jumpsuit that was probably white at one point, but because the clowns had gone way past their laundry date, they had appeared to be kind of brown. The brownish jumpsuits had circles of different colors around the torso section. The clowns had equally filthy brown, used to be white, gloves, and giant-sized red shoes. Using my best judgment, the shoes could have been size 50s. The clowns' faces were painted pale white, with red lipstick smeared from their mouths to their cheeks, giving them an infinite smile. They had those red and round squeaky noses. Their eyes had dark circles around them, which seemed to have been drawn over by a sharpie. All the clowns had different colored afro wigs on their heads. The colors of their wigs ranged from red, blue, yellow, green, and black. The clown with the red wig was holding a boombox radio on his shoulders. He took a step forward and placed the radio on the ground. He extended his index finger and pressed play. The instrumental music blared from the radio. The clowns began dancing. Well, I think they were dancing, because in reality it looked as if they were fighting off a swarm of imaginary bees. I was puzzled on what was going on. I looked over at Bathim, and he had leaned down and had his hands on his knees. The clowns continued dancing for a minute until they abruptly stopped. Blue Wig and Black Wig stood to the left of Red Wig, while Yellow and Green Wig stood to his right. Redwig made a motion of blowing a whistle, and I stood in awe as the clowns played a game of imaginary baseball with an imaginary ball and bat. The instrumental continued blasting from the radio. 
The baseball skit also lasted a minute until the clowns promptly stopped. They lined up again to face us. What the hell do you guys want? We don't have any money, I shouted. They remained motionless as they stared at us. I was about to tell Bathim to get a move on when the clowns started another mime skit. Four of them sat on the ground in a semicircle around Redwig, who was the only one left standing. By his avid movements, I assumed Redwig was giving an imaginary lecture to the rest of the group. He must have asked a question before the four clowns seated on the ground raised up their hands. He picked Greenwig to answer the question, but the clown probably got it wrong because the Redwig made him stand up and kicked him in the bum. Yellowwig must have answered correctly because the rest of the group gave him a round of applause when he answered. Redwig continued teaching until all of a sudden he began performing tricks, which his friends enjoyed immensely. The rest of the clowns avidly clapped and laughed at Redwig's antics. First, he pulled out a long string of intertwined dirty underwear from behind his ear, and then he pulled out a white rabbit from his wig, and lastly, he made balloon animals. The first animal was a giraffe, then an elephant, then a lion, but the last animal I couldn't seem to make out. I soon realized it wasn't an animal at all. It was a gun, an AK-47 to be precise. Then he made another balloon gun, then another, then another until all the clowns had balloon AK-47s in their possession. That was when the music stopped. The other clowns got to their feet and faced us with their inflatable guns pointed at us. The clowns began marching towards us. Bathim was probably coughing out trickles of blood for a long time, but I only noticed it then. The clowns opened fire, and we were showered with a colorless liquid. I heard Bathim scream in agony when the liquid landed on his body. Steam exuded from the demon's flesh as he fell onto the ground. That was when I realized something. These weren't just clowns. They were trackers. Bluewig and Yellowwig continued to shoot holy water at me until they exchanged confused glances with one another of why I wasn't being affected. Bluewig then stepped closer and took a swing at me. The blow caught me on the cheek. The chubby clown's punch packed a wallop. I fell to the ground with a burning pain on my face. I noticed the other clowns were still shooting at Bethim mercilessly with their balloon guns. Blackwick had placed his gun in between his legs to make it seem like he was pissing on Bethim. Bluewig stood over me and was preparing to punch me again, and I reached for my revolver and shot him in the stomach. Since my bullets were rubber, they didn't kill him, but they were enough to drop him to the ground. The rest of the clowns were startled by what I did. Yellowwig began advancing towards me, and I fired bullets at both of his legs. He fell on the ground with a loud clump. Something that was shocking about Bluewig and Yellowwig was that when I shot them, they were both evidently in pain, but didn't scream. Their faces expressed that they were screaming, but no sound came out of their mouths. It was like these guys were on mute. In fact, since they had arrived, I hadn't heard any of the clowns make a sound. Redwing frowned at me and popped his balloon gun to reveal a real gun below. It was a black pistol he then pointed at me. Blackwig and Greenwig also popped their balloon guns, and in a matter of seconds they had three pistols aimed at me. At that point, I was convinced that I was about to die. But a bolt of red electricity thwacked all three clowns, and they flew about ten feet away from me. I looked over at Bathim, who was lying on the ground with his head and hands now raised up. Thanks, I said to him. <coughs> he coughed badly before replying, We need to get out of here. I ran over to him and lifted him onto my shoulders. I ran with him into that wooden area where I had once enjoyed walking. 
I ran deep into the forest into an area that I had never been before. I didn't want the clowns or any trackers to follow us. I placed Bethim down next to a tall teak tree. I made the demon sit with his back to the tree trunk. His coughing had become worse since the clown fight. <coughs> Stan, he is not going to make it, Bethim coughed out. What? I asked as I knelt down next to him. <laughs> Craig, he is not going to make it. <coughs> his body is too damaged. I felt my throat tighten, but was still able to utter, Tell me, what do you know about Daniel? I know everything. <coughs> I know it's your shameless prank that ruined his life. <coughs> he knows it too, but he forgives you. <coughs> he loves you. <coughs> but I guess you know that. He's not in a good place, dear. <coughs> He's in hell. <laughs> he is suffering badly like any other soul down there. But you have a chance to end his torture. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Some time ago, I found one man a way to escape <laughs> from hell. But I knew even if I was to make it out, it was going to be <laughs> pointless. But if I didn't have a willing human host to possess, <coughs> you see, us demons can't possess people without their approval. We can, but I guess you're looking at the consequences of forced possession. <laughs> so fleeing away from hell was not enough. I had to find someone on earth who would be willing to accommodate me. <coughs> That's where your brother came in. <coughs> I met him through a friend of a friend of a friend and, and so forth. Your brother said you would be willing to be possessed as long as I told you that he had sent me. <coughs> this way... I can do a spell to open the portal to hell, which would allow a couple of my friends out, including <coughs> your brother. Daniel said you would understand. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Of course, the demon was probably lying out of his ass, but he could have been telling the truth as well. I had promised Daniel that I would do anything he asked, but I wasn't sure if I could actually do this. On the other hand, this was my chance to fix a mistake I had made all those years ago. He was burning in hell because of me, so it only seemed right that I helped him. I still had a lot of questions, but the demon spoke first. Stan, time is running out. <laughs> what do you say? I looked at the demon for a while, but before I knew what I was doing, my mouth parted to say, Okay, fine. You can possess me. Instantly, Bethim lowered his head. The blackness on his skin began to fade. A red vine snaked out from behind his back and coiled around my arm. I felt a prick on my elbow. My vision began to fade. In a space of a few seconds, I was in a blinding darkness. This time, there was no voice from Bethim chatting me up. It was only darkness. 
madness-inducing and eye-straining darkness. I was overwhelmed with fear and began doubting my decision. What frightened me the most was the thought of what Bathine was now doing with my body. About Daniel, Part 2 Well, folks, that's our story tonight. Rotherick and I hope you enjoyed it. We sure had a great time bringing it to you, and we really appreciate you listening. Tune in next week when we bring you another chilling tale from the dark chamber. And just a note, if you are an aspiring author and you want your story read here on Tales from the Dark Chamber, send us a note at talesfromthedarkchamber at gmail.com. If it creeps all Rotherick out enough, we'll air it. Also, subscribe to our podcast for notification of our next new episode. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Tales from the Dark Chamber and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If you want your story recorded for your own use or just want to have it, check out my Fiverr gig at www.fiverr.com forward slash Woody underscore G. That's www.fiverr.com forward slash Woody underscore G. Look for the creepy pasta gig. You can order there. And again, folks, thank you for listening tonight.